Sci-Fi for Me Radio presents Timothy Harvey, Jason Hunt. This is H2O. Well, hey there. Hey there. Uh, I'm Timothy Harvey, and I'm sitting next to Mr. Jason Hunt. That would be me. And this is H2O. Yes. And we were actually off last week <coughs> due to weather. Yes, and we had email with regard to that. Yes. Uh, from the mailbag, h2o at sci-fi4me.com. Please write to um, us. This is from Ray up mm-hmm. in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Yep. Our, uh, our, our, Good friend, Ray. our biggest fan. <laughs> we, you, you can plainly see because yeah. he made this sign. Um, <clears throat> I'm hoping you'll tell me that you didn't do a live stream last night on Twitch. I couldn't navigate the site to save my life. Didn't find a live stream in the 15 minutes of frustrating monkey clicking I did. If you did, then alas, I've become too old to figure this web media social bloody blah out. I feel your pain, Ray. <laughs> I feel your pain every single flipping day, I tell you. We know we did. I, I did answer Ray back. We did not do one last week. Right. Uh, because there were storms. Uh, it the didn't line act- it was a, it was a pretty solid line when we were looking at it. And it right. was all red and it was all coming our way. And we just decided on on the better part of valor in that particular case, and yeah. then ultimately it turned out that it wasn't as bad as it could have been. Yeah. So, but for you know, I mean, I we record here at Jason's house. The bunker here is is uh, Jason's pad. Yeah. And I do not live here. <laughs> I live thank, over there a little bit. Yes. Oh God. <laughs> you and I as roommates, what a terrible thought that would Can be. Can you imagine? Like, the intern would come over and it'd be like, This line right trail. here. Don't, you, you stay on that side, she'd I find, stay on this she'd side. She'd find the blood trail to the basement and she wouldn't know which one of us was down there. <laughs> uh, I got dibs on the basement. I tell you, I, I both after, bodies would be in the basement. After, after the last two, three weeks, I'm ready to take everything and just go back down to the basement and just... Everybody go away. Um, Because the internet is a terrible place, as we've seen this week. Oh, yes. Although, not to be be finished here, Mm -hmm. we had response from other episodes. Oh, great. Yes. This is um, off of our episode discussing the other Mm -hmm. from a couple of weeks ago. John Popham, who yeah. uh, is up in Washington, D.C., right. I think he's still up there. He's contributed some opinion pieces uh, before. He has sent us a gift. Has he? On Amazon, the book, The Barons of Quetretu. Quetretu? We are mangling it. I'm sure we. I'm sure, John. We're probably mangling this for you. Sorry about yes. that. Yes. On the subject of the other, Primitive James, Last of the Robots... James's role as an outsider looking in at humanity is a key element of his character. And this actually looks like a book that John wrote. Yeah. Cool. Thank you, John. We will be looking at that with much appreciation. And then this, uh, this email from Robert Collins, who is responding to our discussion about San Diego versus Salt Mm -hmm. Lake. Um, he says, I want to send in a couple of comments about, this is this was episode 159, right. which I think was our last one. So we're doing yeah, 160 uh-huh. now. The question was raised about varying rates for table space at cons. Now this is, this goes back to, 
when we were talking about Mile High Comics mm-hmm. deciding they're done with San Diego because the expense has gotten just to be so right. outrageously high. He says, until recently I was selling my self-published books at cons. Some cons have a rate for vendors and a rate for artists. Usually it's to separate out the artist alley from the main vendor area. The artist rate tends to be half what the dealer rate will be. The separation tends to be this. Artists are individuals or selling what they make. Vendors are businesses selling merchandise. As to the idea of attempting to trademark Comic-Con or some variant, I thought of two possible reasons. Flimsy reasons to be sure, but possible. One is to be able to put some variation of Comic-Con on merchandise. Mm -hmm. SDCC could then sell the right to use Comic-Con to other conventions for a license fee. The other is to use the trademark to establish SDCC as a for-profit business for the running of media and comic conventions. Someone at SDCC may have noticed what Wizard World was doing and thought we ought to do that, seeing as how Wizard World doesn't appear to be doing all that well right now. That might not have been all that great an idea. Just Mm. wanted to share my two cents, Robert Collins. And he makes a good point, because this is why sci-fi changed their brand. Uh, from the Sci-Fi Channel to Sci-Fi is right. so they could register a trademark to have on merchandise. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem with that is that Comic-Con, uh, the phrase, is so generic. Right. Even if that's the reason. It's a good reason mm-hmm. for, for San Diego to want to do something like that. And I hadn't even thought about it. Robert uh, mentioning, you know, if they own Comic-Con... Everybody else would pay a licensing fee right. for the word. So can you imagine? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, um, just five dollars. You could use Comic Con. Yeah, even even at that rate, yeah. you know how many how many oh, yeah. conventions? So uh, I could see that being a reason why mm-hmm. you want to trademark. Sure, the it's word just Comic-Con. there are so many issues involved with that that it's while you might want to do it the realities of trying to do it turn into a nightmare yeah i did also want to say that john actually uh and one of my rare tweeting moments because i am terrible (laughs) at the tweeting yes you are i am really really bad at it i actually tweeted a couple of things out i saw that yeah and and uh uh, john responded actually because he said he wanted to go back and listen to our our political episode oh okay yeah and we're not doing another one of those well and i pointed out i said you know <coughs> I joked about you know I'm clearly betraying my my liberal bent, but also that it was a it was a discussion where we tried to be civil to each other, and yeah. and we actually despite the fact we do tend tend to come down on on uh, you know differing sides when it comes to politics we do try to be civil with each other and he said that he actually appreciated that that's good uh, and you know he thought it was a lively discussion and and while I am not the best person when it comes to tweeting. It is nice when there is feedback. And he's actually been really, really good over the years. Yeah. Um, especially has. when I've been, you know, specific, you know, certain topics he and I have had some some nice discussions on. So it's always great. Well, that's good. That's good. And and it, it, it is good to make the effort to be civil with each other because as we've seen huh, this huh, week, huh, yeah. some people aren't. Now, and, and, and we might get into a little bit of politics peripherally here peripherally, because yeah. there is some of that in play, I think. We had the news on Sunday, mm-hmm. <clears throat> the announcement of the 13th Doctor dun, dun, dun. is going to be Jodie Whittaker, yes. who played the mom of the murder victim in Broadchurch Broad yeah. season one. And Broadchurch, for those of you who have not watched the show, um, I think Broadchurch is a large reason that Chris Chibnall 
is the showrunner mm-hmm. for the for the. Well, he his, also did Torchwood. He also did Torchwood. Yeah, but he ran. But, but Broadchurch is really really good television. Yeah, and I think that if you were going to if you want an example of someone who can prove themselves to be a solid showrunner, that's a really good example and i think that's a i have had mixed feelings about his writing mm. in, for various episodes of doctor who right i think it's real hit and miss for me but at the same time is it uh, okay is it <clears throat> is it hit and miss like davies uh, hit and miss like moffat or is it hit and miss like um 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 david s goyer <laughs> <laughs> well it's not hit and miss like david s goyer uh because Goyer's well, more missed than it. Every now and again, Goyer does have a hit, but most of the time, I, I think we can you could argue that he does a lot more misses than he does hits. Um, I think he's probably on par. He doesn't write as many episodes, obviously, as either one of those guys. Yeah. But at the same time, I think about half of of the episodes that he's penned for the show. And you have to bear in mind, of course, that when you're writing for a TV show like Doctor Who or any TV show, mm. the script you're writing and what actually makes it to the screen may be very, very different. Yes. And a lot of that is out of the control of the writer. So, but at the same time, you know, you look at, end up having to look at the body of work of a writer from the point of view of a, of a viewer. No. And so I'd say, you know, he did Dinosaurs on a Spaceship, which I actually really like that episode. You know, I never saw that episode. Did you not? I, I, that, it's that, fun. That season for me was very sporadic mm. in what I was able to watch, what right. I had time to watch. Yeah. And I just never went back and caught up with it. Because Matt Smith is not my favorite doctor. See, I was a huge Matt Smith fan. And I think what's interesting is that, you know, he has stated very clearly that his intent when he took over, when he was, you know, accepted the job as showrunner, his desire was that he was going to make the 13th, doc- 13th Doctor was going to be a woman. That was his intention from go. Right. And for, you know, to put things in perspective a little bit right there, he's a straight white male. He's our age, by the way. He's 47. Wow. 46, 47. Married. Um, you know, he's... No real clear indications of having like any big, you know, agenda of any kind, whether you fall down wherever, you know, I, I don't know if he does or not. I, you know, there's just not nothing like, you know, a giant flag where he says, this is what I, you know. Right. This is something he wanted to do. And for the last several years, the show has kind of been priming viewers with the idea that it's a possibility. And people really reacted to that, pro and con. As soon as the idea began popping up as being a thing that could happen, yeah, and that's a relatively recent thing. It's probably the last five six years where it's become a thing that could happen. Before that, it was it. Had, it's not the first time it's been discussed. No, it and is I think not. you could probably get to those discussions going all the way back to the original series. Well, and actually, and actually, you can. Apparently, uh, an an e- uh, a memo mm-hmm. has surfaced. Yeah. Um, and if I can, you know, assuming that Bleeding Cool's mobile site doesn't swamp me with ads, <laughs> this is an article, this is from Rich Johnston from, um, from the 17th. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the mid-80s, Doctor Who was put on hiatus. There was a real danger the show might have been canceled there and then after a less than stellar run with Colin Baker in the lead. In an attempt to revive the series, the Canadian TV producer Sidney Newman who had co-created the show with Verity Lambert back in right. the 60s, yeah. was asked for his thoughts. He wrote to BBC chairman Michael Grade, asking the BBC to engage the concerns, fears, and curiosity of young viewers, challenging them, don't you agree that this is considerably more worthy of the BBC than Doctor Who's presently largely socially valueless escapist schlock? 
He first stated they should rehire Patrick Troughton in the lead. <clears throat> and then, at a later stage, Doctor Who should be metamorphosed into a woman. But that he wanted to avoid a flashy Hollywood Wonder Woman because this kind of heroine with no flaws is a bore. Given more time than I have now, I can create such a character. And it actually goes on to talk about other things that was in the memo, other suggestions that he right, had yeah. uh, for the companions and for this and that. And the other, and he says, oh, by the way, sure. you should hire me to run it and make sure that it all happens. Well, they didn't do that. Right. But and that in was... Fair, in all fairness to Colin Baker, the yeah. audiobooks have proven yeah. that when you give him a good script and allow him to play the part the way he should have played the part then, or been allowed to play the part then, yeah. he's a really fantastic doctor. So if, he you, is. if he your is. experience with the sixth doctor is the TV version, right. check out the audiobooks. You'll really find you like the character. But what's noteworthy in this mm -hmm. is that this was all back in 86. Yeah. Which, that's... <laughs> That's 30 years ago. Yeah. Um, so it's not a new idea. It's not something that's just come out of the blue. But I will say that given, <clears throat> given Chibnall's comments that, well, of course, I, I, I fully intended for the Doctor to be a woman from the get-go. Mm -hmm. That tells me that, well... I'm going to allow for the possibility that he's got a really, really, really brilliant story reason for doing it. Okay. Because the flip of that is that he's allowing gender politics to influence the show. Well, see, here's one of the things that worries me when, when we get into these discussions. And this is one of the, talking about the, the nastiness online. Yes. Is that there, a lot of people are making assumptions that that's what he's doing. So it doesn't matter what he says. He can sit there and say, right. that's not what I'm doing. I thought this would be a cool story stuff to do. Because right. off the top of my head, as a writer, I can think of some, some interesting stories to play with. Oh, with, sure. As, right up from, honestly, from right off the bat with first episode, he, the new doctor encounters a previous companion who's got to wrap their head around. Or, or you actually have the dynamic of the doctor traditionally has been this very dynamic powerful personality who comes into a situation and takes over. Right. What happens when the perception of the strong-willed male versus a strong-willed female, you know, if somebody's listening to Peter Capaldi's doctor because he's in there being, you know, snarky and angry right. as opposed to a character who is, you know, clearly the doctor but in a different rapper. What's the perception? And that actually could be, you could play with some interesting stuff there. Yeah, the problem with that, though, is you got to be really careful because, you know, there's this, and, 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 and feminism has taken on various different forms over the years. And, of course, we're both white, straight males, so yeah. our opinion doesn't count. But well, it, no. does, it doesn't. Just, it I, doesn't. Because and I disagree with that. <laughs> I disagree with that. I, well, okay, so... Um, so the 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 problem is the challenge, not not the problem. The challenge is if you've got a character like the Doctor, who is that take charge, mm -hmm. you know, force of nature type of thing, mm -hmm. and then you make that character female, you run the risk of making her not likable i'll i'll put the pg version on see, that and, see okay and, no I, and, and and you know what i yes you're right but at the same time 
Um, first of all, let me just let me make one thing very clear. I'm surprised by this. You and I have talked about this before. I thought we would have a black doctor first. Yeah. I thought we weren't going to be here yet. I thought we were maybe one or possibly two doctors away from a female female I'm, actor. I'm not surprised by it. But I was actually thinking we would get a black actor first. I'm and I have several. And you know, when we talked about we sure, had yeah, several actors in mind Zelda, that would yeah. be fantastic in the role. So. But I'll tell you what, it occurred to me, I'm, I'm watching I'm watching the clip, I'm watching the, the teaser thing and, and seeing her, I'm like, oh, okay, great, that's fantastic. And I realized at an instant, and I had not thought of this before, that there was a part of me that was disappointed. And what I was disappointed was, was that it wasn't Helen Mirren. <laughs> because well, a lot of people are saying it should have been Haley Atwell. Well, the problem with Haley Atwell... I mean, she's young. No, I that mean, would be and, the well, thing. but it's... She's not that young, though, and I think she. I think she. I think she could play the part very well, but at the same time, the blowback that this kind of casting and this kind of mm. change gets, mm -hmm. a lot of it depends. I think, unfortunately, and this is something where it's it's really not fair to Whitaker in in this regard. Right. But if you'd put someone like Helen Mirren in the part. A known quantity, a known, especially a known quantity who has played characters. Have you ever watched uh, Prime Suspect? Yeah, I mean, she they they did a prequel to Prime Suspect last year, I think. The BBC did a prequel, mm -hmm. and it was awful. Not because it was badly written or badly acted, because she wasn't in it. Well, because it was <clears throat> the character before she became the character that Helen Mirren was playing. Gotcha. And there's some, again, it comes back to that prequel thing. Did we need to know what she was like as a rookie? Yeah. No, we didn't. We wanted to see her because because she was a fully formed character, and Helen Mirren inhabited that character in a way that if you happen to be a female viewer who was looking for a strong female role model on television, fighting mm -hmm. against the boys club, right. you know, and the in many ways the police. And women, and I mean that's that's an old running boys club. That's a that's a boys club that's been running back a couple hundred years for law enforcement. But so I mean, yeah. but if you wanted that, if that's what you wanted, if that's uh -huh. what if you wanted to have yeah. that, then you would have you had Helen Mirren going. It doesn't matter what my gender is. Right. I'm the inspector, and you will do. You know, I will solve the crime. And you, in incredible role. If you have not watched Prime Suspect, the four or five series with Helen Mirren are fantastic. Yeah. The the thing the thing that makes me think that Chibnall has in, injected a little gender politics into this mm. is the, is a couple of things. One, nowadays everything's political, and I don't think if if the if the doc, if the if the series was not as popular in the United States, mm -hmm. where everything is a political debate now. I mean. You, you saw that you sure, saw the clip yeah. you saw the clip with uh, Trump and Marcone watching the, the the marching band playing Daft Punk. No, I haven't. Seen well, Marcone's kind of got a smile on his face and yeah. he's kind of be bopping a little bit because of music. And Trump's sitting there. I mean, he's seventy. He's probably never even heard of Daft Punk. Yeah. And everybody kind of wants to make it out into boo hiss Trump because he doesn't like Daft Punk. I'm like, really? We've got to make everything about politics. You got to criticize. You got to dump on the guy that. for everything. So anyway, so everything in the United States is politics. Mm -hmm. And I think if the if Doctor Who was just in Europe. It might not be so much, and I think Chibnall is playing to because, like you know, the loudest voices are on the internet, and they're yeah. always you know not the politest. But it's all you know. We got to have a woman. 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 And I think that factored into it because of the way he said 
how he decided. It wasn't, well, we're just going to open up the auditions to everybody and pick whoever. It was flat out, we're going to do the woman doctor this time. Well, and but, it wasn't It wasn't well, just isn't, find whoever's best. It's not necessarily a gender politics thing. Is that it, well, it, I don't think it's primarily gender politics, but I think it played a well, factor. Well, okay, so a lot of different things can play into it. The diff, the, I think one of the issues is is that we are, and this again comes back to the internet, uh, unfortunately, and, and uh, to some degree politics, we make a lot of assumptions about what people say. True. And when people say something, we go, that's not what they really mean. Right. But sometimes that's really what they mean. So if he sat there with, I took when I took on the role, I told them I wanted to make the Dr. Woman. And they said, okay. And I said, cool. I'm paraphrasing massively there. Um, but it's <laughs> not his actual <laughs> words. But the idea was, you know, for all we know, he sat there and went, this would be a really cool thing to write about. And it could very well be. And, I, and, and, and I'm not saying that he's doing it for the gender politics and the right. pandering. But... Like you say, you don't have a known quantity in the role. She's not as right. Known. Yeah, well, certainly, certainly attack from, the on, block, on our, broad church. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but she's not widely known. And and in all fairness, with rare exceptions, that's Doctor Who's pattern. True. They very rare. The probably the most famous of the actors they hired in terms of na- international it was Davidson uh, Eccleston. Oh well, yeah, okay. Peter Davidson okay. probably a close second because all creatures in the cl- small. during the cra- during the classic run, right? Yeah, but I mean, you look at you look at what you know. The majority of the characters have been relative unknowns. They've they've been known actors, especially on a lot of them on British television, mm-hmm. British theater, British films. But it's a different British actors and the acting and environment and and the film and TV environment there is different, very very different. Than oh the US. yes. Um, one of the things that you'll notice about British actors is while and this is one of those this is one of those tough lines to walk here and I'm going to mangle it and I'd like to apologize in advance there is an a, there is an emphasis on appearance in US casting pretty people right okay especially the, on the CW the british viewpoint is talent mm-hmm. and then appearance right and so you have some really really fantastic actors who are stars in the UK, who would not be stars in the US because of how we look at actors. Right. And that's not to say that British actors aren't as pretty as American actors, <laughs> but it's it's a reality of the British the British view of acting comes from the theater right. and television and film and the British for British actors, there's a lot of them who don't look at a lot of American actors look at film as being the pinnacle. And TV, oh, I don't want to do TV. Yeah, in the UK, it's, it's theater. It, it's, well, it's theater, but it's, it's also theater. film and TV, film and, and television are kind of the same thing. Yeah. Because BBC makes films, ITV makes films, all, you know, they, it's not, it, the distinction isn't as right. sharp there. And of course, this has changed a lot with, the, with the, the current crop of amazing television. But for a long, long time, it was, a, it was that kind of thing. So you look at somebody like Whitaker or Peter Capaldi or Matt Smith, or or Tom Baker, or Troughton. I mean, you look at Hartnell and Troughton, they were known quantities for British comedy viewers right. in many cases. And when Troughton was cast, and that was announced, you had this, a similar, I mean, you talk about a cycle. 
Mm-hmm. You know, the regeneration. I hate. I can't. I can't stand him. It's a terrible right. idea. Yeah. It's terrible. 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 Oh, he's not so bad. Yeah. Oh, uh, I can't. I can't imagine anybody else in the part. No, I don't want him to go. Exactly. Oh, nobody's going to be able to replace him. There's a regeneration. I hate this person. Yeah, and, and it cycles through. And you know, the worst. The, the person who had had it the worst, Peter Davidson, because. Tom Baker had oh, been yeah. in the role for so seven years, seven which years. is the longest run that any of them have done, and he was so popular. And Davidson came in, and he's a this is somebody who is was very popular in his own right with all creatures great and small, right? And a, again, a known quantity, but he was a very different doctor. So there was fan backlash initially. That was like, and I'll be honest, after Baker, it took me. It took me a while to, to appreciate David. I had to go back and watch him again to really yeah. appreciate him because the first time I was so Tom Baker is mm-hmm. God. Mm-hmm. You know? I got a I got a <laughs> call. I got a call from my kid. He's he's been spending time in Texas with my mm-hmm. folks. I got a call from him. He's he's so happy because he got uh, he got a season of Doctor Who, one of the tenant mm-hmm. runs, um, and uh, Time Crash. Oh, yeah. Is yeah. part of that collection. Mm-hmm. He says, "I can't watch that. Time crashes on these DVDs." I say, <laughs> like, "Yeah, so okay. That's 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 great because you know it, Davidson is is one of those that, that, like you said, you know, you get you learn to appreciate the further out you are. Mm-hmm. But see, that cycle is for all of them. For yeah, every single yeah, really one of is. them. Oh, he can't he can't do it. He got Matt Smith was too young. Peter Capaldi was too old. Eccleston was too a blue collar." And know, now Troughton Whitaker, was a and Whitaker, clown. Whitaker is too female. Whitaker is too female. <laughs> but see, the thing about it is, though, even though you're going through the exact same cycle of mm-hmm. reaction to Jodie Whitaker's casting, anybody that criticizes this decision for whatever well, reason, it's, for it's, whatever reason, I think it's different here. Uh, you, no, I, I, no, and I, I know you're going with this. And suddenly, we're all sexist, misogynist, homophobe, racist bigots. Well, but again, the internet is the internet. I know, and but once, I'm saying once you strip away the ninety percent that is a word I'm not going to use, so we don't have to beep this out. Um, Sturgeon's law. Yeah. yeah. Once you get away from that, you're getting people who are actually talking about it. And I think there's some, there's there's reasons to dislike it if you, there are legitimate reasons to disagree with it. I don't agree with a lot of them, but it's okay. I don't have to. Mm-hmm. There's legitimate reasons to be excited about it. I'll tell you why I think it's a dumb argument. All, I mean, the, that that this is, oh God, she's female. And I'll tell you why. And you and I have talked about this before a little bit. Yeah. And that is my favorite doctor's are the ones who are the most alien. Yeah. I like it when the doctor reminds you he's not human. Or now in this case, the doctor, male or female, is right. not human. Yeah. And my least favorite moments are, oh, Rose, yeah. I love you. <laughs> because because to me it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And, no, well, and, and see, so for so to me I'm looking at this and going, okay, Jody Whitaker is a new rapper. Yeah. And the core of the character. Now, if this if this was them saying Bruce Wayne from now on is a woman, that would be one thing. But the doctor or James Bond. Right. Yeah. It, it, it's yes. The the doctor is unique in genre characters mm-hmm. to be. You can put who you can put anybody in the role. Yeah. And that's why, to me, male, female, black, white, young, old, 
straight, gay. Don't care. I don't care. That doesn't matter. As long as he's not ginger. Well, still not ginger. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. If if Chibnall knows what's good for it, if he wants to make fans just sit there and go, all right, keep going, uh-huh. is when Jody changes, the first thing, she reaches up, she grabs her hair and goes, still not ginger, and then realizes that, oh, oh. <laughs> because that would be because that there's that there, one of the things that the show has done really really well and they did they didn't do it as much in the old series they do they do it very much in the new series is that sense of continuity from one mm-hmm. character to the other and those little beats yep. and you saw you saw a lot of it in Capaldi's because Capaldi's an amazing mimic yeah and you yeah, watched the last episode his his final regular episode before the Christmas episode um his his beats of capturing. Smith's voice um, was just dead on the the body language and everything, and and you look at that and you're like, uh, and and he did that he did a lot of that throughout his entire run. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, there was a lot of Tom Baker oh, yeah, vo- lot, vocal vocal ticks in there, and so I think that that if Chibnall if Chibnall is a smart lad, and from all I can tell, he is, he'll have that in there that moment where it's like because, and then it should just be over. The thing that I worry about, every every doctor reacts to a body part. You know, oh, sure. David Tennant was new teeth, mm-hmm. right? Capaldi was kidneys. I have mm-hmm. kidneys. I have kidneys. <laughs> and then eyebrows. I hope that Chibnall doesn't take the cheap shot because she's a girl now. I'll tell you what, though. Um, there's an argument to be made for taking the cheap shot. And that would be the comic relief episode where they tore through a bunch of incarnations. Right. And Joanna Lumley played the part. And they had just made that whole bit about uh, Jonathan Price had been converted to a Dalek who had Dalek bumps. And Joanna Lumley's like, oh, I have bumps now too. <laughs> and it was so, it was deadpan and yeah, but in a com- See, but in a comedy setting, that's fine. But well, if you're doing, I know, but you're doing same, it as part of the regeneration scene. But it's scene. also that callback bit, which I think would, um, ex- uh, a certain amount of acknowledgement of the potential humor factor in there, mm-hmm. but then leave it alone. Yeah. Because again, t- as far as I'm concerned, it's the rapper. And I'm looking forward to seeing, I'm looking forward to seeing Jodie Whittaker do an amazing job in, in the part. Because quite frankly, the the part is very rarely, if you actually look at the episodes, it's very rarely written as a character who needs to be played by anything. Right. Right? Sometimes it is. Don't, you know, I mean, the dynamic between the Doctor and River could be quite different. Oh, yeah. The dynamic between Missy and the Doctor mm-hmm. could be quite different. Although, part of me really would love to see John <laughs> Sim, those moments where John Sim was really kind of like his his master was like i became a woman mm-hmm. that and he's he's playing off there were some really interesting things that happened in that episode and john sim did a really interesting his version of the master in that in that episode was different than every version he'd played before yes that was a lot more roger delgado yeah and i yeah, th- i really appreciated that as as a viewer and and as capaldi going out with that and what was interesting is that the misogyny that he displayed there was part of Delgado's character. 
And it was part of him being a villain. From all accounts, Delgado was an absolute joy to work with. He was just a really cool person. Yeah. Everybody loved working with him. That was not part of his personality as a person. But the char- but he was he was he was a condescending jerk to everybody. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't just it wasn't just against women. It was you know right. It was everybody. It was everybody, but who wasn't him? Yeah, everybody was beneath him. Um, and so so when Sim was doing that, I was just like, that's so Delgado, mm. Delgado's master. And that dynamic would have been completely different. It had been two female characters yeah. playing off him. That could have been fun. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I'm, and uh, now I'm disappointed that, that um, we're not going to get, that Missy's done. That she's, well, well, okay. she's done for now. Yeah, she said that she says she's done with the part. That once, once Peter left, yeah. she was stepping away. But at the same time, it would be kind of fun to have her come back because Michelle Gomez against Jody could be, Really interesting. It would it would be a, an interesting dynamic because they well and there was that question so many people were asking about about Gomez's Missy was are they playing up the the uh, romance quote unquote mm-hmm. angle with the doctor and that was one of the points of the character was going no yeah I don't want that from him I want my friend back and it was not a gender thing even though she sat there and would play with it sometimes. Um, I don't know. There's possibilities here. I'm looking forward to see what she can do with it. I uh, I had I had a thought kind of crystallized for me on Sunday when James was asking me about this. So, yeah, have you heard the news? Have you heard mm-hmm. the news? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, well, what do you think? And the first thing that popped into my head, because I'd seen all of the blowback and all this mm-hmm. stuff, but the first thing that popped into my head is, I don't care anymore. And then I got to thinking, and this this may actually lead into another discussion for later, but I got I got to thinking all of the all of the things in fandom, mm-hmm. you know, uh, JJ's reboot of Star Trek right. and Star Wars and 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 all of the shows that are on Sci Fi now. Mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not caught up on any of it. Right. Yeah. I've never seen Supernatural. I don't feel a need to watch Supernatural. Mm-hmm. I've never seen Teen Wolf. You guys, you know, Teen Wolf is coming back. You guys are going to mm-hmm. be talking yep. about on the Apocalypse. And I'm starting to think, and I'm, and I don't know if this is, I'm old. I don't know if it's because I'm too busy, my priorities have changed, or it was something. But I find myself as a fan, mm-hmm. you know, especially you know the Hugos and all of that stuff going on back and forth mm, for the last right, four, yeah. three, four, five years, all of everything. I sit there and I look at I look at all of it, mm-hmm. and I have a tough time caring about any of it. I have a tough time being a fan anymore. Hmm. And it it could be stuff that I've got going on in my personal life. It could be work. It could be a combination of a bunch of different sure, things. Yeah. But I'm I'm not. When when the Star well, I'll give you an example the Star Trek novels when mm-hmm. they were coming out every month right yeah. back in the eighties I had all of them right you know I've got I've got comic books out my ears from that time period eighties and nineties but now you've got all of these Star the Star Wars books that are mm-hmm. all canon right I don't I I don't care I'm a, we I'm a, like, we talked about this a little bit on Zompocalypse now and that was we're thinking about making a new show or actually changing the name of the show to too much shows <laughs> because we can't watch them anymore. And yeah. part of it is oversaturation. I think is that you reach a point where you like the things you like 
you enjoy the stuff you enjoy. Yeah. And you I, can't get, and maybe this is something that everyone should take a lesson to. Don't get so worked up about the things you can't control. Well, there, I think, I think some of that is, is figuring into this, but some of it is just, you know, because you know, uh, uh, Dark Matter. Mm-hmm. Dark Matter is a good show. I like the first season. I I have not I've not caught up on the second season. Right. You know, One Owner Earp, mm-hmm. really good show. Yeah, I saw most of the first season. I haven't caught up. I haven't watched any of the second season and all that. Time for a binge watch. And <laughs> I don't feel compelled to catch up. Well, and I have the same thing with a lot of shows. I you know, I've about never, any of it. I've See, never that's the thing. I've never watched an episode of any Game of, of Thrones. It. I've seen the first season of Game of Thrones, and I realize I am like the last human being on the planet. Um, yeah. There are there are people in places where they do not have television mm-hmm. of any kind who've seen <laughs> Game, Game of Thrones. Thrones. Um, you know, so it's and I and I, I I think I understand that to a point. I think that there is a a very good there's a very good thing we should all be thinking about, and that is what matters to us in fandom and out of fandom. Mm-hmm. Where we, you know, where we get worked up on on the on the on the anger side, what we get worked up about, because you know it doesn't matter. Yeah, I where mean, are your passions? And you should, you know, uh, you know, we can all have opinions about whatever. That's fine. That's no, you can't. Yes, we must all have opinions, and no, we must you're, all. You're white and straight. You don't have an opinion. I get you to have, have an a opinion. valid opinion. I do have a valid opinion, and I will maintain that I have a valid opinion uh, because I do. You might not agree with it. That's okay. I mean, clearly you're wrong, but but clearly I'm wrong too, right? So I mean, well, the yeah, I mean, some of that, you know, I like this, I don't like this, I like this, mm-hmm. but but it's broader than that, sure. And it and I and I find it's affecting my work here because, mm-hmm. well, if I don't care about anything as a fan anymore, then what's what? How does that impact my work as the editor here? You know. Suddenly, suddenly, I'm like, okay, now there's an added layer. Mm, sure, sure. Because when I was when I was making films, mm-hmm. and then I wasn't making films, it was very hard for me to go to the movies because right. I was like, I sh- I I wanted to be doing that, and now I'm not doing it. And now here I am, n- not really feeling a whole lot of energy as a fan about anything. I mean, I'll go see Star Wars, mm-hmm. but. You know the Marvel movies. Yeah, I look forward to seeing them in the DC movies. I look forward mm-hmm. to seeing them, but I'm not eagerly anticipating. I've got to go see the next well, movie. But you know what? I, there's it, it's. I've okay. got no energy for it. Anymore. It's okay to go through, and, and it doesn't have to be necessarily a phase. It could be a, just a change where you're looking at something and going, the things I got excited about, I don't get excited about anymore. That's yeah. okay. That happens through life in general. Yeah, it bothers me, though, because I'm not excited about any of it. Well, and I and, think... And see, that's, and I'm that's gonna, what's troubling. I'm going to say, knowing you and knowing what your interests have been in terms of what you find, what you enjoy as a fan, mm. I'm going to guess that it's not necessarily an a, a ongoing state from here on out. I'm going to say, I'm going to predict, and I could be wrong, but I'm going to predict that you're basically like, okay, you've got overload or burnout or it whatever. Could be. And it's it going to come be back around because you're, there'll be something that you'll get excited about. Because while we, it's okay to be a fan, it, you don't have to be a super fan. You don't mm-hmm. have to be somebody who embraces all of these things and all of their, you know, there's so much. Like oh, I, said, I know. You know, Zompocalypse Now might have to become too much shows because <laughs> yeah. we can't watch them all. Yeah. 
and and it part of us you know part we there's something to be said for being upset about that because you want to on some levels on the other hand you can't Mm -hmm. so stressing out about it is like okay well because you know how i watched winona earp this season i binge watched it off the preview screeners that they that nbc let us have access to and that's the only way i've been able to watch the show and it's killing me because i wrote reviews for it last season and i enjoyed it I liked writing reviews, and yeah, I liked interactions. I liked the, reading them. I liked interactions with the producer, yes, and the cast yes. who were kind enough to talk to me uh, through Twitter. Um, so when that, you tweeted, when I tweeted, but yeah. I did tweet. Uh, it was a lot easier to tweet when I was writing reviews as opposed yeah. to doing podcasts. So. Speaking of Twitter, we are on Twitter. You yes. can leave us comments there. You can leave us comments on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest. Well, Pinterest is all cosplay. Um, all the social media. You can send us the email h two o at sci fi dot com. Let us know what you think about the casting of the 13th Doctor. Be nice. Be nice. Be, uh... We try to be, keep things relatively family-friendly-ish. Yeah, it's it's more likely to, to get read on the air if it's polite. But you know what? Polite. Be polite anyway, because... Even if you don't like it, that's fine. Yeah. You, you, know, you don't have to like the casting, but... Because, to be perfectly frank, some of our fans, some of our readers do. And some of us, our readers don't. And we should all be talking. If you and I can sit here and do a political show, by God, <laughs> and not, you know, and quite, we got the c- baseball bat right over civility here. Civility, yeah. yeah, is not overrated. No, it is not. And I think we can all do a little bit more of that. Yeah. All right, that's going to do it for us this week. We are uh, set. I guess. I guess maybe we'll be back next week for another episode. Let's let's see what we can do about that. <laughs> Assuming I don't <laughs> right off of the sunset. All right, that's going to do it for us. Thanks very much for listening, folks. Here at uh, uh, SciFiForMe.com, I'm Jason Hunt. I am Timothy Harvey, and this has been H2O on Sci-Fi for Me Radio. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi for Me Radio, copyright 2017, by Flaming Dog Media, LLC, all rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.